Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Okay. Good morning, everyone. This is Thanksgiving week, um, one of my favorite times of the year. Do you remember when you were perhaps a teenager or... Uh, in high school or college, and on Wednesday afternoon, that feeling that you had a break, Thanksgiving break has begun, just that release. Um, I actually have that happening uh, for me this afternoon because I don't work this week. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm so happy. I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thankful for Thanksgiving. Of course, we're, um, the whole thing is being thankful to God, and I often wonder... Uh, people that celebrate Thanksgiving but don't believe in God, uh, have you ever wondered, well, who are they being thankful for? Have you wondered that? Um, I, they probably don't even stop to think. You know, you're just thankful theoretically or something, I guess. <laughs> so it's been a um, busy week for me, so, uh, and not really even because of this this morning, but I was, I was ready to go with this about a week ago, but. Well, I've worked one of those long weeks at my work, so uh, things begin this afternoon <laughs> for winding down. So it's really good to see you this morning and be here. We're in a series on, uh, it's entitled Enough is Enough, and specifically we are going to look today at uh, a part of that. Now last week, Sean uh, took the topic of God's voice is enough. For you, hearing God's voice, great message. And I'm really just giving an extension. This ties in so much with that, and we're just taking that thought a little further. And today, it is God's will is enough for you. God's will is enough. There are three things that um, I've been thinking about as far as the issue, and they're all DIS words. So it's uh, the dissatisfaction that we have with life often, disappointment with life and discontentedness with life or discontentment with life. And I really feel like God gave me those three terms to describe the issue of what we're, is underlying the point today, that God's will is enough. I think many times we live with the dissatisfaction uh, about life. Singer Peggy Lee in 1969 recorded a song called, Is That All There Is? And if you are 50 or over today, you probably are very familiar with that song. Maybe even if you're 40 or over. If you're under 40, probably not so much. But in that song, she described for the first time as a little girl going to a circus and having high anticipation of what that was about and then coming away, is that all there is? And then a little bit later, she, in the same song, she describes love for the first time and having high hopes and high anticipation for love and then becoming just completely disappointed by it. Is that all there is? Um, I could sing it, is that all? No, I won't do that. <laughs> you, you know the song. <laughs> um, but I think many people live with a sense of dissatisfaction with their lives, and perhaps that's you today. I think we've all been there at some point. Um, is that all there is? Isn't there more? There's got to be more to this. Um, and I think that being a Christian doesn't necessarily solve it. Uh, as a Christian, we can go to a bunch of church services and Bible studies, and we can even pray a lot, 
And I think still we can have that sense of there's more to life that I want. Uh, I'm not getting all that there is. There's something missing. Uh, I've just got this lack. I'm dissatisfied with my life. Now, of course, the solution is God is enough. But I want to hit specifically a, a part of that, okay, and that is God's will is enough. So we're going to look this morning at, uh, first of all, the book of James, chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at a passage that is from verses 13 to 17. The passage is uh, simply saying God wants us to live from the perspective of his will. That's what James is trying to teach us in the passage. Um, and we're going to break it down and go verse by verse. So verse 13, James 4, 13 says, Come now, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Uh, James is saying we ought not to selfishly plan our lives. So he is uh, referring to people who are very busy. These are trade or business people, uh, but it could apply to general living, Christian living as well. We've got a lot of plans, and we're, we're depending upon those plans to make things work. We carefully plan out all the details, and we feel foolishly that we can control everything. And James is really rebuking those that have that attitude of selfishly and presumptuously planning everything in their life. Uh, who feel like their security and peace in life is in the planning, in the control, the sense of control, the details of their life. So in verse 14, James 4, 14, you do, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Life simply has no certainties. And you, when you try a lot to control everything, the more you realize you can't control it can't do it. There simply is no certainty to anything in life, and even our lives have a, a great deal of temporariness to them. He's, he describes it like a, a mist that just comes for a while and then disappears, and we're temporary, and in the big picture of things, insignificant. But for us, when we come to that realization, I think that we just can't control everything. Dissatisfaction can creep into our lives, and disappointment, and discontentedness, and we start to realize we just can't do enough. We try, and we try to make things happen, and you just can't control all the circumstances. There's too much. We have an idea of what a satisfied life looks like, and we want to achieve that, but we're always in the trying to achieve it, and we never, ever quite get there. Now, I'm not saying today that we shouldn't set goals and do planning. I am a planner. I am really a big planner. But the issue is, is it my agenda that I'm planning, or is it God's? That's where the issue lies today. You, is it your agenda or God's? So if we're going to say that, well, I want to go to that last verse. I, yeah, before we go on, verses 16 and 17. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So, sorry, I'm ahead. Let's go back to verse 15. I skipped that, didn't I? I did. Verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What James is saying is that our lives must come to rest upon God's will, it's not our planning. 
It's not our trying to achieve something, but it's all about God's will. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This is going to make a lot more sense then. <laughs> going through verse 15. Verses 16 and 17 then, let's look at that together. So as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So he's simply saying this kind of selfish presumption, presumption is sin. And the idea is when you are not including God in your planning, your planning is simply to try to satisfy something that you're de desperately seeking in your life, trying desperately to get there. You've got goals, and uh, you're working hard to achieve it. Then um, that's not going to make you satisfied in the end. It's not going to bring you where you want to be. So we've got to come to a place where it's about God's will, and our perspective on life is his will. And then those last two verses, um, when you do this, when you selfishly presume like that, he simply calls it sin. You know better. You know to do better. When you, he says when you know to do right and you don't do it, it's sin. And so the idea there is when you know that you ought to be including God in your plans, when your own agenda ought to be based upon God and his will, but yet you, you carefully avoid that and you just go on with your own planning, he simply calls it is what is sin. So... Again, it's not a matter of not planning, but it's whose agenda are we going after? Is it ours or is it God's? Okay, so if we have said that it's God's will that our life must be about, if we're going to achieve satisfaction, if we're going to be content with our life, really in the end, it's, it's being where his will is, then we need to talk a little bit about what God's will, his purpose or plan is. I do believe that God has a, a will, a plan, or a purpose for each one of us that uh, some, some parts of that are going to be exactly the same. We'll discuss that for everyone here. Some things are going to be unique, I think, to who we are. Um, living within God's purpose for your life, living within his plan is what is ultimately going to bring you satisfaction with your life, but we've got to know his will. So where we're going to start on that is God's will is that you be in a loving relationship with him. He wants you to love him. He is a God of love. And his first purpose, his first plan for you. And we could all, almost summarize everything we're talking about in this right here. God's will. We want to know what God's will is. It's that you love him. And that you devote your life to, to loving him. And that you walk in a loving union with him. Deuteronomy 6.5 says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is set in a context of all of the law. So that's Deuteronomy 6, and in Deuteronomy 5, Moses had listed all of the Ten Commandments. And then he comes to this and says, this is what we're really talking about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all of your strength. And then Jesus picked up on this in Matthew 22, uh, verses 35 to 38, when he said, it says there, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6.5 and simply su summarizing. He's saying that's what is really important. That is God's will for you. And it really is a summary of all of the commandments. But in particular, the first four. Um, no other gods before me 
shall have no graven image, not take the name of the Lord in vain, honor the Sabbath day. So all of that comes together in that command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. So our love then is expressed. If that's God's will, starting, the starting point for God's will in our life is loving him, then how is that expressed? And that would be through obedience. And that is directly connected with the idea of holiness or sanctification. So we find in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, this, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is a word that refers to being holy or being separate from all forms of impurity. That would mean separate from sin and joined unto God, consecrated unto God. So what is God's will? Well, first that we love him and then that we be holy. Your sanctification is God's will. It's all about that. And then that we express our love further in a worship lifestyle. That's God's will. God wants you to live your life worshiping him. So all of those things come, come together, and we can just summarize that God's will is for you to love him. And we could almost end it there and go home. <laughs> but I, want to get, I do want to get into some of the more details of life. We'll get there in just a moment. But I want to look at the issue of disappointment, um, because oftentimes uh, it's not just disappointment with, with life, but it's specifically disappointment with God, and maybe you have been there. Got a, if, if you have, I've got a great book that I want to read a, a, an excerpt from. It's called Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey grew up in a very conservative Christian home and uh, just began to have doubts, as, as many do, um, particularly as he saw when we pray for things, we don't always get the answers that we're expecting. You've been there and you know what that's about. And sometimes there just comes great disappointment. And he's struggling with that. So the book, a lot of the book is about going through, he, he did a, a scriptural search through the, the whole Bible, looking for answers to three questions. First of all, is God fair? Is God silent? Is God hidden? But as he has a crisis of faith in his own life as a young man, he's actually going to Bible college. And in Bible college, they had been given assignments of, witnessing, telling, you know, sharing their faith with uh, university students. And so he's in a college dorm room one night, he's with some of the other students, and he's asked to pray. And so um, he says, for some reason I started talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. We, we Bible college types were supposed to feel the same concern for university students as the Samaritan felt for the bloody Jew lying in the ditch. But I felt no such concern. I said, I felt nothing for them. And then it happened. In the middle of my prayer, just as I was describing how little I cared for our assigned targets of compassion, I saw that story in a new light. I'd been visualizing the scene as I spoke, an old-fashioned looking Samaritan, dressed in robes and a turban, bending over a dirty, blood-crusted form in a ditch. But suddenly, in the internal screen of my brain, those two figures changed. The kindly Samaritan took on the face of Jesus. The Jew, pitiable victim of a highway robbery, took on another face too, a face I recognized with a start of my own. And in a flash, I saw Jesus reaching down with a moistened rag to clean my wounds and stop the flow of blood. And as he bent over, I saw myself, the wounded robbery victim, victim open my eyes and purse my lips. 
And then as if watching in slow motion, I saw myself spit at him full in the face. I saw all that. I, who did not believe in visions or in biblical parables or even in Jesus, it stunned me. And abruptly, I stopped praying, got up, and left the room. It's almost today as if maybe we should be wondering if we're dealing with trying to desperately find satisfaction and contentedness in our life. Maybe what we're really searching for, maybe the ultimate answer is a deep, loving union with Jesus who is the very expression of love to us. Maybe that's where the very answer for that is. And so this is the conclusion to the entire book. Talking about the emotions that I felt that February night in a college dorm room when I first believed in, in a God of love. Someone is there, I realized. Someone is watching life as it unfolds on this planet. More, someone is there who loves me. Have you come to that realization? It was a startling feeling of wild hope, a feeling so new and overwhelming that it seemed fully worth risking my life on. And that's how he ends the entire book. I think that this is what God's will is above all else, is recognizing that God is a God of love and responding to that love. So everything else is supplemental and comes in after that. Now, we've done a lot of discussion in my family about this issue of God's will. It can get a little bit tricky, and it's, it's a very gray area. And I want to suggest that there's a lot of black and whites, but I do th the way that I have worked this out, and I'll just share that, this is... This is not scripture that I'm sharing with you right now. This is me, okay? I think we need to distinguish between the fixed will of God and more there's a flexible will of God where God's guidance is needed. So there's the fixed will of God. I don't need to ask God about that. I know what his will is. It's always the same. And then there's the more flexible will where we do some decision-making. Um, hard and fast will of God is often based upon scriptural principle. Not always, but you can usually tie it to a scriptural principle so we can ask, is there a biblical principle involved here? So we've, ta we've started off with, uh, we're called to love God and to be obedient to him and to be holy. That's a fixed principle directly from scripture. There's no question about that. That's God's will. But if there are not fixed principles, then there's more flexibility in the will of God. And there are options, multiple options. And really what we need is guidance. Let me share some scriptures with you. God's guidance. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Psalm 73. Verses 23 and 24. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Um, this is David saying this. I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, saying this to God. You guide me with your counsel. I don't know about you, but I want God's guidance when I'm making big decisions. I don't want it to be all on me. I can make my own decisions, but I really want to bring God into those, those decisions that are big in life. 
I want to seek his counsel. I want to seek his will. I want to hear his voice. I, I want to get his guidance and his input on those decisions. So where I want to go from this point is to bring in some of those big decision areas of life. This is kind of bring things to a close today. Um, and again, there's a lot of subjectivity here. Um, I, don't, I don't have this completely worked out, and I don't want to uh, give the impression that I do, okay? But I, I just want to, these are suggestions, okay? I'm not, for most of this, I'm not quoting chapter and verse, but these are suggestions. So uh, big areas of life, education and career, fixed will of God. I believe it's that you, God wants you to be productive in the calling that he's given you in your life. And I do believe that God gives each of us an individual calling, something he wants you to do. And in that calling, whatever that is, he wants you to be productive. He wants you to do well. You, he wants you to be serving him, not man. And you do realize that, right? You're not serving ultimately your boss. Maybe you didn't realize that, but, but, but you're ser ultimately serving God in what you're doing. That's the fixed will of God. But when it comes to guidance, it's what particular job you're going to get. Okay? It's not like there's only one job that God has for you. And again, that's great. <laughs> Maybe he does want one specific thing for you, but usually not. Okay, there's multiple jobs that could fit your gifts and your calling and, and uh, what you can do. Um, but, man, whatever, whatever, where, wherever you're at in your job-wise, let's realize that God gave you the skills and the ability at what you're doing. Do you realize that? Don't be tempted to think, man, I did good in that interview, didn't I? I was pretty good. Um, I'm pretty capable, am I? And you probably would not say this to anybody, but you might think it. It's God that gave you those abilities. It's God that, and I believe it's God that gave you the opening that you were seeking. And man, maybe that was just the perfect thing. Just fit. Give, give glory to God for that. Don't just think, man, I was really lucky. I, don't, I really don't believe in luck when it comes to these things. I do believe that God guides and does the opening. So that's just me. That's where I'm at. Second big area is marriage. Fixed will of God. Marry a believer. And perhaps we could include in the fixed will of God whether or not you marry. Because I do believe that sometimes it's God's calling, God's will, for a person to be single. And for others, it's God's will or God's calling to be married. But when we're talking about guidance, the specific of who you're going to marry might have some flexibility in it. Now, this is an interesting topic, and boy, we have done a lot of discussion on this. Is there just one person that God has, had in mind for me? Um, and mentally, I will, will agree with some others that, well, no, there's multiple people as long as it's a believer and other things are connecting. Um, you know, there's multiple people that potentially I, I could have married. But I'm just going to tell you, I, I just can't get away from it. I do believe God led me to Sherry. Because as I look back on the details of how things came about, I, I, can't, I can't picture that having gone any other direction. And so I, I completely believe God was in that. Now, I know sometimes you feel like God has led you in the person that you married and it didn't work out. I, I know that, and I don't have answers for all of that. I really don't. This is a difficult area. It's an area that, that uh, there's a lot of gray in. I don't know. 
why that happens sometimes. But I can just say for me, I, I really believe that God was in the way that I was led back how many years ago was it? And I don't personally feel like there was some theoretical other person out there for me, okay? My opinion, just opinion, okay? Let's go to the third big area is location. Where, where are you going to live? And I think the, uh, the fixed will of God is just be at a place where you can do number one, okay? So number one is education and career. Um, you just need to be a place. There's multiple places where you could do that, Mul multiple places. Um, but as far as guidance, and that's it. As far as guidance, you could be here, here. There's many places where you could do number one. So number one is you've got to be at a place where you could do number one. Fourth is church, fixed will, and God, fixed will of God. And I don't have any questions about this. Be in church, but specifically a church that preaches truth. Okay? Now, some churches get pretty detailed on what they preach, and uh, you've got to believe every little detail in order to really feel comfortable, and I, I don't go there. Um, but really, in terms of the big picture, there's multiple churches that preach truth, teach truth, and uh, there can be some choice, there can be some flexibility in God's will, okay, on that. Last one is relationships. Fixed will of God, love your neighbor as yourself. That came right after Jesus saying, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then he said, and the second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So it is God's fixed will that you be in relationship with people that are in your life and that you have a loving relationship with them. I think maybe the flexible or the, the part of that where we need guidance is um, who specifically you're going to be closest to. That might have some variableness to it. That might al not always... Um, be a specific fixed thing. Who are you going to be closest to? So a lot of this is subjective this morning. I admit that, okay? But I want to bring this, wrap it up. Um, my wife's father, his name is Alfred, and he's in his 90s right now and has come really close to death in the last few weeks, and he's kind of pulled out of that and is doing better right now. But uh, he, she was having a conversation with her father, and uh, he has been out of church for several weeks. And you have to understand, my, my father-in-law never misses church. I mean, he never misses church. It just doesn't happen, okay, unless he's about to die. And that was the case for these about three weeks or so, four weeks. He really was close, and that was the only reason. And so she's, she asked him, well, when do you think you're going to go back to church? And his answer to that was, I'm going to fly away. And she responds to that, well, where are you going to fly away to? And he, his answer to that is, the only place I really care about. And so he's talking about heaven, of course. Uh, to the observer, my parents-in-law don't really have a lot going on in their lives. Now, uh, to be fair, a lot of this is because of their age, but uh, the, the things that they do, they pray, they read their Bible, and they go to church. And uh, I would estimate about 90% of their life is those three things. Now, that probably is an exaggeration, but they don't watch TV. The only thing that they watch is news, okay, but nothing else. There, there's no kind of entertainment. They don't even go out to eat anymore. Um, one time, Sherry asked her, her parents if they read books, like fiction, 
And the answer was, uh, no, we don't read stories. And there was just a little bit of, uh, uh, <laughs> of sarcasm. <laughs> we don't read stories as if that's kind of a waste of time, okay? So they don't look like they've got much exciting going on, very fulfilling life, but the thing, the point is, is that um, they would say that their lives are, have been deeply satisfying to them, and it's because they have conviction that they have been in the will of God and they d they've done the will of God in their life. And that really is all that has mattered to them in their entire life. And I want to tell you when I'm dying, I don't want to be uh, thinking about all the things that I've achieved in life, the things that I have done or anything, anything like that. The question that I'm going to be dealing with is, have I done the will of God? Have I been in the will of God? That's what's going to be of issue to me at that time in my life. Okay, so... I want to just kind of give a plea to those of you who might be struggling with this issue of just not quite feeling like your life is where, where you want it to be, that there's more out there. And, and you want to try to make that more happen somehow, to get more fulfillment, more satisfaction, be more content with your life. And maybe that's you today, but um, I just want to tell you that I believe just achieving some goal is not going to bring fulfillment and satisfaction in your life because you can, you can achieve some goals and there's always, a mo there's always more. So you can't do enough to make things satisfied and bring that fulfillment in your life. There's always more there and, and always trying to do more can really get wearying, just tiring, always trying to achieve the next goal in life. But the real question is, are you doing the will of God? That's it. If the question, if the answer to that is yes, then there isn't something more to achieve. That's enough.